Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Show Some Skin podcast. I am your host, Salek, joined and with my co-host, Dr. Farhad Riaz. All right, Farhad, it's been a while since we did our first episode. It has. We took a little break, you know, getting working the kinks out and figuring out what a schedule is going to look like. And These things aren't as easy as they look. Hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> we're able to, you know, be a little bit more consistent with our schedule and punctual. Anything new going on with you these days, Farhad? No, man, just uh, today's Halloween, so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of family time these days, so looking forward to, uh, to the evening, although I, it's supposed to rain, which is not going to be that nice. Are you going to go trick-or-treating with your daughter or no? I am, but then I have some, uh, some other work to do in the evening too, so I'm going to do the first shift, and then uh, probably my wife will take over for the second half. All right, and what are you guys going to dress up as? Lena is going to be Sky from Paw Patrol. It's like oh. this. Uh, Lena is not Lena today. Lena is Sky today. You have to call okay. her by her, her name. All right. Sky. Yeah. All right. She's what, four years old, right? She's four, yeah. And today she's, she's so going to be a flying dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I wanted to talk about telemedicine in today's age, especially after, of course, the pandemic. We saw a huge increase in the amount of people that started um, looking for online options as opposed to traditional options when it came to treatment and stuff. So if you can tell us a little bit about how you got started into telemedicine and currently you're doing, right now you are 100% doing everything virtually, correct? Everything's remote right now. I started doing telemedicine in 2019. Um, Okay. And and it was, you know, it was an interesting thing in the world of dermatology even before 2019. You know, people, Mm -hmm. people have been talking about teledermatology for you know, almost decades now, as as early as you could have sent a picture from one person to another, people were doing telemedicine no way. In, the, in the form of teledermatology. Yeah, I mean, it comes in the form of even just a text message, like, uh, what's this rash from a doctor to a doctor <laughs> or from a patient to, you know, a friend who happens to be a doctor, etc. So, um, you know, dermatology is very, very well suited for telemedicine because so much of the diagnosis uh, is made through just the photograph. And, then, mm-hmm. and and answering some questions and then the remainder is the treatment and as long as the treatment doesn't require some procedure right like a biopsy or a yeah. surgery or something like that mm-hmm. um then it can be done through you know prescription medicine which can be sent remotely also uh, i started doing teledermatology in about 2019 and then uh significantly ramped up during the pandemic you know kind yeah. of like in march of 2020 is when teledermatology started getting busier and I also started doing more of it. And then like, when did you make the transition from like a clinic to teledermatology full time? Well, it was like, it was 50, 50 for a while for probably a year and a half for two years. And then it wasn't until 2022 that I realized that the flexibility, uh, at least from the doctor's point of view and also from the patient's point of view, the flexibility is just unmatched. I mean, to be able to take care of patients from home and, and create your own schedule it really, really allows for uh, a happy lifestyle, friendly lifestyle, kid-friendly mm-hmm. lifestyle, especially if you have kids. Now, the thing is, like, for someone who does not know too much about medicine or has, um, I don't know, like, they are scared of their skin condition. Could be a mole, whatever. But, you know, people, especially these days, they Google and everything turns out to be cancer or the end of the world. They might have a benign tumor or something like that. Um, what? For our patients that may be new to telemedicine or are not that comfortable, what 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 do you have to say in terms of the effectiveness 
of telemedicine versus traditional medicine. Is there, are there any drawbacks to doing a virtual consultation uh, as opposed to you know, physically seeing a doctor or is it the exact same? I would say that there are some drawbacks, um, but there are definitely some unique advantages as well. I mean, there are a lot of people who would not get any treatment whatsoever if it weren't for telemedicine. There are a lot of people who have access to care now because of telemedicine who never had access before or um, or potentially. And, and that access could have been because they have a condition that's embarrassing and they don't want to, you know, uh, handle the, the kind of embarrassment of going in to see a doctor and discussing what the problem is. Can you give an have. example of any condition like that? Yeah, sure. Genital warts is like the easiest one, right? Everyone okay. can think of, uh, you know, not wanting to see the doctor for that. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, that's kind of like an easy one to understand. There are so many other diseases that people don't know about. One called hydratinitis suppurativa, which is uh, a complex disorder um, that is it can be very embarrassing for some people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, erectile dysfunction is an embarrassing thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there are there are some taboo, uh, you know, conditions that telemedicine has made it a little, in a way, less personal. Um, and, and there's some advantage to that, right. To not, to not, you know, some, some conditions people don't, people want to remove the, um, the kind of relationship part of the aspect of getting care. Um, but I would say, uh, you know, telemedicine isn't all about that. Telemedicine also provides access to people in rural parts of a state where it might take three hours to get to a specialist, um, or, or sometimes even longer than that. And especially when you start talking about like the Midwest or, or, you know, the uh the kind of central states then yeah you know the, the density of specialists and doctors is much much less than the coasts mm-hmm. so telemedicine enables a lot of people to get med- to, to get care that they wouldn't otherwise get now a drawback yeah there are drawbacks to telemedicine one is that even though pictures are very very good sometimes it's more useful to put your hands on something and feel it or, or yeah. see it if a biopsy is needed or a procedure is needed like a drainage of something on the same day at the same time can't be done through telemedicine obviously and so of course that's a drawback but in general i mean these are this is another tool that doctors can use to take care of patients and so i don't think that there's any i don't think healthcare is complete with either just in-person care or either telemedical care yeah uh, the two together work really well i'd say great answer so now i'm curious has it ever been not just with you or like with any of your colleagues that they may have misdiagnosed something just because the picture wasn't clear or maybe they just gave you a picture of something else and they just wanted a prescription for a certain drug. Is that possible? Yeah. So those are all kind of like, there's a few different things that you mentioned there. So let's start with the last one. If someone provides a picture that was of someone that's not them or a picture they got from the internet in general, a doctor can't go and search the entirety of the internet to find out where that picture came from Correct. or or interview that person's friends and say, hey, is this actually them or is this somebody else, right? So mm-hmm. we have, you know, there's, in general, you're just assuming that the person is being honest and sending you what they really have and that's what you're yeah. treating, right? And, yeah. and so that's an assumption with telemedicine that the person who's sending you the image and answering the questions is doing so in an honest way that actually mm-hmm. reflects what they have. Mm-hmm. So that's that part. The other part about misdiagnosis, yes, of course. I mean, misdiagnosis happens in the clinic. It can happen through telemedicine too. I don't think it's very common. Um, I think doctors are generally very good at what they do. But say there's a doctor who fails to think of something when something comes up because maybe it looked 40% like one thing, 60% like another thing. And so they went with the 60%. But then after a few days, 
it starts to actually look more like the other thing. So things yeah. get misdiagnosed in the clinic and things can get misdiagnosed over telemedicine too. But the advantage in telemedicine is that you can tell your patient that I'm limited by the pictures that you choose to send me. So if you choose to send me something like a rash of something on your arm, and based on that picture, I decide that you have a certain condition and I give you a certain medicine, but you didn't show me something that was on your leg that because you forgot or you didn't think it was something. And mm -hmm. that actually was another clue that would have changed the diagnosis. Yeah. Then, yeah, there's going to be a misdiagnosis there. But, you know, so and, and if you were in clinic, I probably would have looked at your leg, too. Right. Because we look all over when someone's in clinic. Yeah. We, it's very easy for me to be like, hey, let me see that, too. So we're limited by what someone chooses to take pictures of. So there's a disclaimer that I tell all my patients that, you know, based on your images, my best understanding is this is what you have. Mm -hmm. But if there are other important things that they need to know about that they could have had, then I'm always telling them that too, right? Like if I said, uh, this looks like eczema, but yeah. there's a small chance it could also be this other rare form of a rash or this other rare form of skin cancer or something like that, I would tell that person, right? I'm not going to say, hey, you have eczema, of course. period, end of story. Of course. So, and, you know, and that's a skill that you develop over time, right? To, to kind of know how to take care of patients through telemedicine because you have to know that the patient doesn't always know that there are limitations to the exam or that something could be missed. So it's yeah. important that the doctor has done a lot of telemedicine because then they can kind of predict like, oh, this patient needs to know that this is not a final diagnosis. Things change. This is my best guess based on what you've submitted. Yeah. Um, but there's always a chance that it could be something else. And so, you know, usually we, we tell that we have a disclaimer that we tell patients and, and sometimes it's as simple as telling the patient if this rash doesn't get better or if it significantly worsens in the next few days, then please reach back out because either the medicine's not working or maybe we have the wrong diagnosis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So you brought up the misdiagnosis part in terms of liability, where does that leave the doctor in? Obviously, we want to reduce our liability, but how do we reduce our liability? Reduce our liability by taking good care of patients, right? So by yeah. doing what's right. And so I think that the doctor, again, has a liability to inform the patient of, you know, why they came up with that diagnosis and, you know, what else it could have been in case they were wrong, you know, because, again, doctors, sometimes doctors are wrong. It's, it's just, of it's course, natural yeah. that, you know, even, even a robot is wrong. You know? Yeah. You'll make there's a mistake. Nothing, there's, not, yeah. there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing perfect. Nothing can perfectly diagnose you. If we had a tool, a robot or a test or a blood test or a, an AI that could diagnose you better than, you know, a human eye or something like that, which they've mm -hmm. worked on, but are still not as good as, as board certified dermatologists. Yeah. Um, you know, we would use that tool if they, it's not like we're hiding something from you. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's always, there's always risk. There's always a very, very good quality of care, high standard for care. There's always a very small chance that some mistake is going to be made. And as long as the doctor did not do something negligently, right? If, mm -hmm. they, were, if they were practicing the standard of care, if they were, you know, they informed the patient of what was going on, then, and a patient was harmed, if they still informed them, then that's just part of the natural process of getting medical care. But yeah. if a doctor was negligent and a patient was harmed, then it's the doctor's fault, right? So there's two parts to liability. One is that the person has to actually be harmed, right? If you just got the wrong diagnosis, but nothing would have changed. I said it was psoriasis, but actually it was eczema. And you got a treatment later and you weren't harmed by it permanently yeah. or anything like that. Then there's no, there's not really like liability when, when okay. it comes to that kind of misdiagnosis. But like, 
you know, if someone missed a skin cancer, like a, a lethal skin cancer, like a melanoma, and the doctor told you, hey, this is benign, and you don't ever need to get it looked at again, forget about it, this thing is benign, it's never going to be bad, then that's a different level of liability. In general, even if you think it's it's normal, you would say, hey, this looks normal today, it could change, this is what yeah. you need to look out for, because mm-hmm. moles can change over time, and, and this is what melanoma would look like, so keep an eye on this thing, or come back in X amount of time. So you know, there's always some risk when you're taking care of patients, but... Uh, it's important to kind of like practice good medicine, yeah. be up to date, inform the patient because the patient is going to be, you know, kind of your partner here. It's not one versus the other. It's, you know, you're both on the same team and then we just hope for the best. All right. So I'm a big believer of telemedicine and I think you guys, you know, especially telemedicine has taken over, uh, you know, the traditional visit and whatever. And yeah, there are those limitations, like you said, but the convenience factor of it the and especially for taboo subjects that men or women don't want to talk about and having the convenience factor to just have a full-on virtual consult with a real doctor board certified doctor from the comfort of their home nothing beats that and i think that value prop is like it's it's insane so you guys are solving a huge problem and i i love it but in your career have you ever had any issue where you have maybe run into, um, you know, has there any been, has there been a scare in your career so far? A scare? You know, you made a mistake that anything that could have caused the patient some sort of discomfort, inconvenience, etc. You know, the only thing I can think of maybe is like, um, if you're convinced that something looks bad, right? Like something, someone submits a picture and it looks like a skin cancer or melanoma or something and you tell yeah. the patient, I really think you should get that checked or I really think you should get that looked at in person yeah. with a special magnifying glass or maybe even you got to go to the yeah. clinic, you got to get a biopsy and the patient doesn't want to do it. That's kind of frustrating, right? Because then it's like, yeah. how do I have to convey to you that this could be a life-threatening thing, your decision yeah. not to do anything about this or even to just delay doing something about this could have... That's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. That's And, and, and you know, that's something that you lose sleep over, I'd say, because it's like you know, your education and everything that you know, you're, you're trying to apply to help someone and they're not kind of like heeding that advice. In in-person medicine, yeah, I guess you could just kind of like try to convince them a little more, a little more aggressively. Show them pictures or say, you know, we see skin cancer all the time. A biopsy is very easy and quick. We can do it right now. Yeah. Versus like when, you're, when it's telemedicine, then it's like, Hey, I think you need to get that biopsy, and you give them a time frame like, oh, you know, I think you need to get that biopsy the next month or in the next three months, and they may completely forget about it, or they yeah. may say, they may say, hey, you know what, I've had that my whole life. Then I'll be fine. Yeah, I don't need I've to had that my whole life. Then I'll be fine. And then the question, obviously, the natural question is like, then why are you submitting a picture of it? Mm-hmm. Why are you why are you concerned? But you're concerned about it too, or else you wouldn't have submitted a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and and now you're here, kind of like arguing with me that that you've had it your whole life and you're not that concerned about it. Yes, yeah, so I, I would say something like that. I mean, there, yeah. you know, um, there's so many stories that, that one can come up with with telemedicine. But you know, some of them are are awesome, right? Like someone. Okay, with, tell us, yeah, tell us like an amazing story. Okay, let's. Yeah, yeah, like you know, people who, for example, need to get psoriasis medicines, right? Like biologics, mm-hmm. and that process can be kind of burdensome, and so it just becomes so much easier when you can just check in remotely or, or Accutane, right? Isotretinoin, when someone has bad acne and they need to be on Accutane, those visits are kind of cumbersome. You have to go in to check in with the doctor once a month for like sometimes Blood eight, work and stuff. eight, nine months. 
Well, sometimes blood work, sometimes no blood work, but the check-in mm-hmm. is mandatory, right? But okay. if that check-in doesn't have to happen in person, if it can happen remotely, then it's much, much more convenient. Yeah. Another is just is simply just like finding a skin cancer and a patient is thankful, right? Like instead of the alternative situation where a patient disagrees or doesn't want to do something about it, what about the patient who, say they submit a picture of something totally different, like a rash mm-hmm. on their face, and yeah. on the side you see like a funny mole and you say, hey, can I have? An, can you send me another picture of that mole? And yeah. they send it, and then you say, "Hey, this needs to be biopsied." And then, what if it comes back actually a skin cancer? But mm-hmm. since you told them to to take a look at it, they got it cured, and then they're just like forever thankful that like, "Wow, this That's doctor amazing. was so good that you know they found this thing. I did, it wasn't even what I asked about, and they found it, and luckily they found it early, so I can put it behind me." You know, That's so, amazing. Yeah, there, there's many more many more stories of, like that than than a difficult story, a challenging story. Speaking of skin cancers, do you remember that patient who's like pretty much you had to operate and their entire cheek was almost gone that you had to like cut up. That was the scariest thing you ever showed me. <laughs> what I like seeing is aesthetic stuff. You know, someone. Yeah, that's cool. After. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that too. Yeah, that stuff's yeah. fun. Yeah, like I, I like, you know, someone's skin was like they got on Accutane or they started doing something about it and boom, it got cleared up or you know what I mean? Like th- those are the things that really brighten up my day. And yeah, those transformations are, happy. are yeah. interesting. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Explain the process when it comes to telemedicine. How easy is it for you, for the clinics that you, how's that process work? Let's say I'm a patient who needs a, a, a consult for acne. Let's say I have very severe acne. I need a consultation. How long does that process take? And just walk us through the patient journey. Yeah, sure. I mean, telemedicine is, is it's very simple. I mean, um, Typically, you uh, you find the service. Either you find a local clinic that offers a telemedicine service, mm-hmm. or there are lots of uh, telemedicine companies out there now that yeah. are directly marketed towards you know taking care of patients remotely. So you find whatever service it is that you're going to be uh, using, and then you know typically you just answer questions and fill out a uh, a questionnaire and submit some photographs. And then different platforms are different. Some platforms require that you have a video consult with a patient. And, and there are state laws too, depending on what state you're in or where you're at, about whether or not you have to have a live video call or pictures yeah. are enough. Mostly related to uh, related to licensure state requirements. Okay. And and then oftentimes it's very easy. Like you know, most of the time you don't need a video consult. So you just the doctor replies with what they think you have, and they send a prescription, and then you can kind of communicate back and forth with the doctor at your convenience. It doesn't have to be like a, a video call or anything like that. Oh, nice, nice. So like a few minutes, and you have a prescription ready, basically, from the comfort of yeah, your home. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's like I mean, most of these services you're getting treatment within like ten minutes. That's um, amazing. Very, very convenient. And um, yeah, you, you might even have not moved from where you were when you submitted it. But by the time that you get a reply, I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's amazing. And honestly, skincare isn't just the only place. I, I mean, where this is applicable, I've seen, you know, there's mental health services, but psychiatrists, I don't know if they're psychiatrists, but psychologists for sure, or therapists that can help you online. Yeah. Um, you have ser- uh, uh, dental services like the Smile Direct Club. Where you get a mold and you can, you know you send the mold back and you can get your custom Invisalign sent to you, etc. Um, are there any other fields other than the two that I mentioned where you think telemedicine has a future? I think telemedicine. I wouldn't say it's approached its limit yet, but yeah, it's you know it's being used very efficiently and effectively already when it comes yeah. to primary care, when it comes to 
uh, dermatology, when it comes to men's health, women's health, when it comes to orthodontics even. You know, the next wave is going to be there's still some state barriers when it comes to telemedicine. Like it's hard for specialists or, or doctors in general to get licensed in many states. And that's getting a little bit easier, but there's still some challenges when it comes to getting licensed in many states. And then whether that makes sense for doctors to do that yeah. because it's expensive to get licensed in many states. And then, you know, then you're kind of incentivized to try to take care of more patients to make up for that cost. Yeah. Telemedicine may get a little bit better if that gets a little bit better. Okay. If licensure gets a little bit easier, because there'll be more options for doctor for patients to get care, which means didn't better. Trump make it easier for everyone during the pandemic to get licensed, something like that? I don't think so. I don't know. Oh, were, were they talking about that? The, Trump was trying because of the the pandemic. Trump was talking about uh, getting doctors like licensed faster in different states and stuff like that. I remember reading something about that, but I could be wrong, of course. I don't. I. I know that some states came up with emergency licenses where you could get licensed quickly in another state for a temporary yeah. period of time. Oh, so it was temporary. Expire. But I don't know anything about Trump's involvement with it. I mean, this was a state-by-state state thing. It was There's no federal licensure. So oh, okay. there's no government thing that says, like, oh, if you're licensed in one state, you're licensed in all. You know, there mm. was no rule like that. So there may be some things that I'm not aware of that, that happened. I think the other aspect of where telemedicine might get better is like with technology, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, you know, like Smile Direct Club, I think was a breakthrough, right? Where they, yeah. you know, you, you create this mold and you send it in and then they've got these like aligners that you wear and you wear them and they slowly shift your teeth over the course of whatever, three to six months. Yeah. I think if there are other technologies that get developed, like for example, for skin, yeah. if there's some sort of low cost camera that can take high resolution pictures of the skin, I think it could improve things, um, mm-hmm. especially looking at moles and um, things that are suspicious for skin cancer. It wouldn't help necessarily with acne or psoriasis or eczema, but yeah. it could, could help with thing, you know, things like I was mentioning. So, um, you know, and, and I think as technology improves, there may be options for other fields of medicine, but as it is right now, as technology stands, barring any new developments that allows you to see the back of the eye with a small device that gets shipped to your home for a low cost. I don't see telemedicine necessarily changing uh-huh. in a large way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But of course, it's just the start. It's just literally the tip of the iceberg. Um, right. And who knows, you know, where where this is going to go. Um, anyway, so I think we're reaching our time limit now. Farhad, is there anything else that you'd want to add that I haven't covered so far? No, that was super interesting. I, I think that, that it's a good overview of, of telemedicine and what telemedicine offers. Yeah. So we are going to do our next episode next week, correct? Yeah, sounds great. This was a pleasure, Farhad. It was, uh, honestly, I learned a lot. And I hope our listeners also. We will see you guys next week. I think Sundays are good. Sundays, right? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. All right.